As we all know, Jesus' disciples and hordes of his followers wanted Jesus to be a big, gallant conqueror who would kick out Rome and end up basically ruling over the other nations so that Israel would not only remove Rome from power, but would also take Rome's place as the world power, the empire over all the nations. Jesus told his disciples and hordes of followers that he was not going to bring about some huge military campaign to establish his kingdom. At least he said this implicitly when he taught about not fighting against the governing authorities, turning the other cheek when someone hits you. He said as he was being interrogated during his arrest, my kingdom is not from here. If it were, then I would have angels coming to my rescue. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Then he proved he really was going to live by what he said and not seek to conquer all nations by dying, dashing completely the messianic hopes that his followers had. As a story for a Messiah goes, it's a rather lackluster ending. It's not very flashy. It makes for a very difficult cinematic climax. It's Batman versus Superman, but Superman doesn't put up a fight and just says, here, have some kryptonite. Do me in. Lame. Right? It's lame. His followers were thinking. They were disillusioned in him. But then Jesus was resurrected. And he can't die again. He could come and go at will at this point, appearing and disappearing. He could presumably do anything now, and no amount of kryptonite on earth could stop him at this point. And so he had a nice breakfast on the beach with his friends. Even after resurrection, the kingdom of God was not about conquering others. On the beach over breakfast, Jesus got to turn around the denials Peter had given. Three denials, three chances to say, I love you. And he forgave Peter for denying him and then asked him these three times to feed his sheep. Jesus gave grace to the disciples who had abandoned him and asked them to continue his work and ministry. The kingdom of God was brought about through grace. My guess was that Jesus was not overly fond of Rome as a governing authority. While there was much that was good about Rome, they were brutal, power-hungry conquerors. They would take over your land and then tax you to pay for the army that had just conquered you and destroyed your people. Jesus and his followers, ruling through grace, would definitely have been a better governing authority than Rome. The Prince of Peace ruling over all of the nations would have been fantastic. Except that to become that world governing authority, to supplant Rome, Jesus and his followers would have had to have become just as brutal as Rome. Killing or imprisoning dissidents, conquering nations who didn't want to be conquered, forcing themselves on people who didn't want them there. The message of grace, the reality of grace, would have been destroyed in conquering and struggle. The Jesus movement was not won by force or threats or coercion. The Jesus movement was won through grace. Consider Saul. 
who had been persecuting the church and even helping to put Jesus' followers to death. He was like Darth Vader hunting down and destroying the Jedi. Then the grace of Jesus brought Saul back from the dark side and into the light of Jesus. And when Jesus spoke to Ananias in a vision, telling him to lay his hands on Saul so that he could restore him to sight, Ananias was understandably wary of doing so. I imagine he was also not overly pleased with the idea of giving sight back to this persecutor of Christians. Like Jonah, who didn't want Nineveh to repent. That's why Jonah left and fled and the whale ended up bringing him back. Jonah didn't want Nineveh to repent. Jonah wanted God to destroy Nineveh. And like Jonah not wanting Nineveh to repent, I can imagine that Ananias didn't want Saul to regain his sight. He deserved to be blind after what he had done. He shouldn't get to see. He shouldn't get to be healed. The grace of Jesus, though, allowed Ananias, despite his fears, despite his possible resentment, to go to Saul, to lay hands on him and to heal him and to embrace him as a brother. And then Saul became Paul. So great was his transformation through the grace of Jesus that he changed his name. He had to. He was a new person, and his old name would no longer do. Paul then went about on a grace campaign, teaching about Jesus to all who would hear. He went to the Gentiles, the non-Israelites, and the Jesus movement spread beyond Israel. The Jesus movement spread even beyond Rome. And there was no military, no conquering, no force of any kind. There was teaching and preaching. Healing and caring for people, forgiveness and love. The Jesus movement, Jesus' kingdom, was spread through grace. I did a quick search through Paul's letters to see just how central was grace. Eighty-six times in his letters he used it. Looking at our world today and how we live with grace and live out the Jesus movement There is an awful lot of grace in the church. And there are also loud voices talking about Jesus, but voices that have very little to do with grace. I was talking with a neighbor of mine earlier this weekend. He was telling a story about how judgment often takes the place of grace in people who call themselves disciples of Jesus. He told the story of a co-worker of his who had looked at what another employee was doing and said, he shouldn't be doing that. He's a Christian. Okay, now, there are certainly a number of behaviors and actions which we would be taking and would not be taking because we want not to be harmful to ourselves or others. Paul wrote in his letters quite a lot about behaviors that we should and shouldn't be following as disciples of Jesus. With love and concerns for our heart, in our hearts, part of the Jesus movement is certainly to help guide each other in our behaviors so that we aren't harming ourselves or harming others. That's very different, however, from looking at someone else and saying, he shouldn't be doing that, he's a Christian. As my neighbor said to the co-worker, you don't need to be judging him. You need to take a look at that log in your own eye instead of worrying about the speck in his. The co-worker needed to be living with grace. 
There seemed behind a co-worker's statement and or else. He shouldn't be doing that. He's a Christian. He better shape up or else he's not really a Christian. Or else Jesus will reject him. Or else who knows what. There was an implication that he wasn't really a Christian because he wasn't following a certain list of behaviors well enough. As if following a certain list of behaviors well enough is what makes us Christian. Good moral teaching is absolutely a part of being a disciple of Jesus. But the point of Christianity, the message of the Jesus movement is not behave. We don't need Jesus for that. The point of Christianity, the message of the Jesus movement is grace. Being a Christian is receiving and giving grace, the grace of Jesus. The grace of Jesus doesn't say behave or else. The grace of Jesus says love God, love others, love yourself. And let your actions be guided out of that love. The grace of Jesus says you're going to mess up a lot. And when you do, I'm going to forgive you. The grace of Jesus sees that those who cause harm do so because harm has been caused to them. Or because they are afraid. Or because they think they're right. The grace of Jesus looks at that and says, forgiven. That is life in the Jesus movement. The Jesus movement says, you think you're not good enough? Well, join the club. We're none of us good enough, and we don't have to be, because what we are is enough. The disciples denied and abandoned Jesus when he was about to be killed. Then he was resurrected. They were so steadfast in their discipleship that they said, I guess let's go fishing. The disciples weren't good enough, but they were enough for the grace of Jesus. They were enough for Jesus to say, feed my sheep. Saul certainly wasn't good enough as one who was persecuting the church. And yet he was enough for the grace of Jesus to transform him into one who could grow the kingdom. Not by conquering, not, but by teaching, by healing, by caring for people, by sharing grace. That's life in the Jesus movement. That's the life that we get to live and breathe as the body of Christ, sharing, receiving, and giving grace. Amen.